Welcome to On Hold, the podcast with a mission to find and interview leaders with unique experiences and radically different ideas for driving customer-centric change. Hello and welcome to the On Hold podcast with me, Ben Goody, and this week co-hosting with Sentisum's founder, Sharad. We had the pleasure of chatting to John Ernstberger, the co-founder of the SaaS platform designed to engage frontline team members through real-time QA, coaching and feedback. John's been in the customer service tech space for more than 10 years and has landed clients like Walmart, Mercedes, Warby Parker and AXA. And just this year, they've been acquired by Medallia. In this episode, we deep dive a ton of interesting topics for customer service leaders, including how to motivate your frontline employees, how the needs and approaches to contact center management have changed over the pandemic, the tech stack contact centers must now prioritize, and how you can relay customer feedback from the contact center in the new work from home environment. We hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, please head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, and let us know what you think. You can also subscribe to future episodes and get a ton of future of customer service content over at the Sentisum blog. We're always keen to talk to high quality contributors too. So if you've got an idea you want to share, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Hi, John. Welcome to the podcast. It's an honor to have you on here talking to us today. For those of you who are listening at home who don't know, John is the founder of Stella, a technology company that has just been acquired by Medallia. John, for those people who are listening at the moment who don't know, could you please give us your sort of one minute pitch? What is Stella? Yeah. Yeah. So we're a software that we sell primarily to contact centers that helps engage and motivate the front lines like never before. And for supervisors and executives of the organization, we provide performance management and workflows and visibility ultimately to help manage a small, medium, large team. We work with companies that are 10 customer service agents, and we work with organizations like Walmart and Quicken Loans here in the States that are 10,000 service agents. So kind of everybody in between, but it's made up of a couple of different components, customer feedback, QA, quality assurance, and and one-on-ones. But And it's been around for going on five years now. And we launched the business in, in February of 2016. And about a month ago, over a month ago, last September, we closed on the acquisition medallia acquired Stella Connect early on in September. So we're now a part of this, the Medallia family. That's, uh, that's amazing. Congratulations. What was the driver behind the acquisition? Yeah. So Medallia is a, their customer experience and employee experience software platform that collects data from any customer or employee touch point, helps to analyze and, and then provides actionability for large organizations. And so for them, they've primarily been in the, in the physical world space. So working with airlines and hotel groups and retail in, in the physical world. And, and so they've built a, a big business. They went public about two years ago, a little under two years ago. And they're kind of on a journey of rounding out their product suite. So one of the areas where they wanted to drive more market penetration is in the contact center space. And and that's where Stella has really been excelling as initially we were a point solution and we started to build on to our, our platform and become more of a quality sort of management platform. And so Medallia got really interested in sort of what we were, what we were up to. For us, it was a, a lot of the things that our customers were asking about and requesting were 
what I would call enterprise kind of features and bells and whistles, not really bells and whistles, like table stake type of stuff that, that we were conflicted about building because it wasn't necessarily in line with what really differentiated Stella from other competitors out there. It was more like permissioning and groups reporting and stuff that wasn't going to differentiate Stella Connect as a business. And so Medallia kind of snap of the finger has, has a lot of that. And that's exciting from a product perspective and having those resources and, and timing that the COVID kind of tailwinds. And I was saying to you guys, the, it's been hard to reconcile the, the good stuff that's happened to Stella in a year that's been smeared with a lot of bad stuff globally. But the tailwinds of this pandemic have, have made contact centers really blow up in a good way. In terms of volume, a lot of people are shopping online a lot more and our customers have been have been growing for the most part and so that's obviously catches the eye of acquirers and you know it, it was a kind of felt like the right time obviously a lot of retailers are rethinking their physical world storefront model um, especially here in the states where the you know square foot of retail is just out of whack on a per capita basis. You think of America, you think of shopping malls, and that's there's a lot of truth to that. So I think it's a major correction for kind of physical retail space, I think. I think because of what Stella focuses on, it would be interesting to know what are the like sort of fundamentals that customer support need to get right to actually engage and motivate employees. I've heard from lots of people that that is one of the hardest things for a customer support director to get right because a lot of the time a customer support agent is not necessarily it wasn't their dream job in the beginning and they're doing something that's quite repetitive potentially they're Uh going with people complaining all the time so it can be a really difficult job yeah so how do you motivate that kind of environment yeah i think it's definitely tricky and that's the reason why we started stella was was we were walking through large contact centers and seeing how how tough of an environment it can be be versus some organizations who are doing it really well and kind of the opposite side of the the equation. I think taking a step back and and as a manager, first off, kind of understanding, this goes back to the book that I mentioned, The Alliance, but understanding understanding kind of the, the context of your department in your company's journey is very, very important. And just in a very dramatic sense, the, the support team that you're running for an organization that has zero dollars in revenue, you know, trying to get from zero to a million dollars in revenue, that, that journey is very different. And you're expecting your frontline people to do something and act differently, I would say, than maybe at 50 million or 500 million or a billion dollars in revenue. And I think that's important because you need to, as a manager, always connect or do the best you can at connecting your employees' work with the with the business, the goals of the business, and the vision of, of the business. And to whatever extent you can really connect those dots makes the frontline employee more loyal to the organization. And to the extent that you can kind of consider this idea of a tour of duty where, you know, loyalty 
from the front lines, you know, it's kind of rare, like people will move on and your job as a manager isn't necessarily keep them there as long as, as long as you can. It's to help promote their career and, and give them the option to stay or go, but be at a place where they feel like they're furthering their career. So there's a lot into that, but kind of setting that as a, as a, as a stage, I think is, is really important. But I think the basics, and again, this is going back to the basics of why support and service is so, is, is a lot of fun. Like you can kind of lean back on, you know, speed and quality at the end of the day and being quick and kind to customers and helping to kind of promote that, you know, goes a long way. But yeah, from a people process technology perspective, there's a lot that you can do to kind of tee your organization up to provide the best you know, service possible. Definitely. What so 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 part of keeping them motivated is that just know also just knowing that that the turnover is going to be high and accepting that not trying to keep people there forever, but so just making it fun while they are there. Yeah, I think kind of I think kind of embracing that. Hey, we we want to get you in a position where let's look at this next year, this next two years to further develop your skills at this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're on the the you know you're a tier one customer support person that's you know really mastering the tier one type of issues and becoming an expert in that or if you're developing that sort of part of your organization you know you want to have them master the domain of tier one tickets and be able to you know ultimately educate and train others in that in that department that might be an example of a chapter in their career and so if you kind of set that as the the stage then you and you make sure that's aligned with your organizational goals and the overall company goals, then you kind of get, it's a win-win for the employee and you as a manager, because you kind of get what you need out of that person. And you also give that individual the freedom to kind of, okay, there's a kind of a start and an end to this journey in my career, which everybody thinks about on their own, but it's kind of hard to, to kind of put those milestones. And so you're motivated to kind of reach the finish line and do the best you can do. So you can put that on your resume. You can kind of promote that in your next chapter, your next journey. I don't know. Does that make sense? I think the way I'm in interpreting it would be something, okay, so you've just joined, like you're at the, the, the bottom of the agent level, but you could say to someone like within two years, we want you to be, you know, learning how to manage other agents and you can build the, that skill. And that's the way that's one of your aims for being here kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of organizations do it and it's, it's not as easy as it is to kind of talk through because people are people and we're emotional beings. So managing is, is honestly, it's one of the, it's one of the hardest things in my personal experience. My professional experience is just managing careers, managing, managing individuals, because you want to help them so much, but you can only do it insofar as the business grows and there's opportunity and all of that. Yeah, definitely. How, how have things changed, do you think, in the contact centers now that everything's gone to like work from home? Yeah, yeah. A lot has changed. I think, number one, the infrastructure fundamentally has changed. So you're now working from home. So you have to think through how we're going to get internet and phone service at a high rate to folks on the front line, because that's imperative. And you have to deal with home life, which we all know, especially with kids is incredibly challenging or pets or a spouse. 
that's needy. It's 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 challenging. That's that's a logistical challenge that a lot of organizations, you know, had to had to think through like overnight. I was talking to one of our customers, Quicken Loans, who basically in one week had to get everybody the equipment home, basically. So they had they had set up kind of on on the street sort of temporary parking where people could go in and get monitors and phone equipment and things like that, you know, between you know, 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. on a Thursday night so they could start hitting the phones the, the Saturday morning or Friday morning, whatever. That's one. I think the just communication in general is is really is really different. And, and, and one of the things too, I think that it is definitely as a table set is important to consider is if you're running your business the same way you were in a physical environment, but in a work from home environment, you're really missing the, the ball. And you really have to think differently about how you communicate for one in a work from home type of environment. So you've seen, you've seen platforms like Slack or Microsoft Teams really pick up in popularity. You see the importance of asynchronous communication becoming more of uh, more of a thing. So if you if you can't necessarily meet with people because they have other things going on in their life and and more of that is kind of popping up in their in their home environment, you need to focus on written communication a lot more and be able to document things and have those updates live so that people can kind of see that on their own time. It puts a lot more emphasis on written communication, being a good writer and succinct and and it, it's just it's, it's really important and then i think for a lot of contact centers i hear a lot about like learning and development no longer do you have classroom settings to bring people in at 12 o'clock and bring your lunch and all of that it's over zoom or it's through platforms like lessonly or other lnd learning and development kind of software platforms out there or lms that's challenging again it goes back to that written communication concept like documenting how you should handle business and allowing people the freedom to do it on their own time. Yeah, those are a few challenges. And John, as a result of these challenges, specifically logistic challenges, are you seeing a major shift in how customer support is done with your current customers in the sense, let's say, maybe moving away from voice, more towards tech channels, automation, self-serve. And I think you also touched upon asynchronous communications. Are you seeing that kind of shift happening? Yeah, for sure. I, I think the what I hear is and what I see is that volume continues to increase. And that's both that's across all channels, really. But volume on an absolute contact basis is increasing. The the allocation of those contacts are changing, like people are emailing less, but like contacts on, on as a total are increasing. The Because of automation and certain software out there that allows tier one, I'll call it tier one type of issues to be handled in an automated fashion by going to the website, by typing in your reference number or order number or what have you, no longer are, are customers contacting companies with those with those questions, that's becoming fewer and fewer. But they are contacting those organizations with more complex issues. And so the need for tier two and tier three and more technical, more in-depth type of support is 
is happening. And so you're seeing kind of a fundamental shift in the profile of customer service agent that is needed. Somebody who is really able to take down information and understand the problem kind of on a, on a deeper level and more of a kind of a surface level and then get back to the customer is, is becoming more, more prevalent. So yeah, definitely some shifts, Sharon. How are companies have you seen overcoming that challenge? Because to have to like fundamentally shift the makeup of your workforce seems like quite a big challenge. How are yeah. people coping with that? Yeah, I think there's two ways. One is is from a technology perspective. So being smarter about your tech stack and, and being able to put more data in the hands of your of your front lines is something that every organization is trying to figure out and do. There are leaders and laggards based on based on their legacy systems and or not. So that's one more information to, to, to people who are, who are managing it. The other is from a hiring perspective, that's that there is a high turnover rate on the front lines and therefore you have an opportunity to actually change the way you hire the profile person that you, you're looking for and start to understand who's doing it very, very well and then connect those attributes or characteristics back to your 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 ATS, your applicant tracking system, where you track all applicants, you interview people, you score them, but you might be looking for different things based on what you're seeing in the market or who's doing it really well. And so it's a it's, it's a it's not an overnight fix to your point, Ben. It's this is you got to be in it for the long haul. Definitely. So you mentioned getting data into the hands of the front line. I want to know like a little bit more about that. Like what what kind of data are they going to need? How does the tech change for getting that data into the, to the front line? What needs to change to improve that? Yeah. I, so obviously it depends on who you're talking. If you're talking about a, a supervisor who's managing a team of called six to 12 people, or maybe even more in some of these larger contact centers, but you are, you, you're really looking at kind of three major inputs to how you evaluate performance. One is kind of quality. Two is kind of the the operational metrics. And three is it's 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 a new one, but kind of employee feedback. You know, on the quality side, you're looking at customer feedback as an input. You're looking at the kind of supervisor input. So QA, them listening to calls and coaching by listening to how you're you're handling yourself on real interactions and kind of combining that with customer feedback, you know, what, what Stella does, what Medallia does. Hey, how was the call? And uh, taking a look at, you know, are you five star, are you four stars, somewhere in between. That shapes, that visibility shapes how you, how you, how you coach for sure. You also look at operational metrics, which are more of the basics, which are not the fun stuff to talk about, unfortunately, but it's around attendance, it's around average talk time, it's around issue resolution and, and some of the, the operational fact metrics that, that you're seeing. And then that combined with kind of the employee feedback, how are they feeling and what are they seeing on the front line? Like those three kind of components can shape a really effective and having visibility across your team. And then if you're, you know, director inside a contact center across your entire organization, you can start to be really smart about how you coach, where you spend your time. Are you, are you focused more on 
people who are really below the curve or maybe maybe the meaty part of the curve because those are the highest potential to get above the curve. I think it's interesting because, yeah, because I think originally we were talking about the issues becoming more complex. So you need maybe a different type of person, a different type of agent. And part of what's changed is like getting data into the hands of the front line. Is the key thing that you see being most important in the contact center is about evaluating the quality of each agent and helping them to provide a good customer experience? Yeah, I think it's one of the, yeah, it's one of the core tenants for sure. If you're talking about the tech stack of a contact center, there's, there's obviously, there's obviously that, that piece of it, which is kind of the experience sort of piece, which is both employee and and customer feedback. You got to be doing that. That's just table stakes. You obviously have to have your contact center solutions or your cloud telephony system or, you know, email chat, whatever to, to, to pipe in contacts and, and have those. You also have to have a workforce WFO platform, work, workforce optimization, which is now becoming WEM, workforce engagement management software, which handles potentially scheduling and learning and development, stuff like that. Of course, you need your help desk slash CRM. Like those are those are blending. That's kind of the fourth piece, I think, if following myself. And then the fifth is kind of an analytics tool. I'd say those are the five core categories of a, of, of a contact center technology stack. But of course, Stella is the most important one of all of them. No, I think that the experience management is 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 one of them, and it's it's critical, just like the other four. Are these tools that you think are now more important, or were already important to be part of your tech stack? Is this something new? Yeah, they're always important. They're they're shifting in how they're delivered, and and there's new innovative solutions popping up across those five categories, which. For an organization like uh, I pick Warby Parker, which is you know a very hot retail story here in the states, they're they're rethinking, they're asking the question. They're not following the rules, but they're asking the questions of, around how do they deliver the best possible experience, service experience. Um, and so the way that the answers that they're getting to those questions are pushing them to innovative products that weren't around ten years ago. And so that's kind of fundamentally like any industry, any category, you have kind of disruptors that are disrupting the stalwart brands, which is it's part of the game. Like us. Like Synthesome, exactly. Exactly. Apparently it was like, an interesting podcast to talk about how great we are. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked it's taken us this long to, <laughs> to get that. Maybe we just cut this out and move it to the beginning. I think it's interesting because I know you did. So you did the is it called the the Stella Connect Summit? Yeah, Stella Summit. It was called it was called Level Up 2020. Okay. It's all about hashtag level up. Nice. That's cool. How do you think, say, this whole shift to working from home has now affected the the way that contact centers can relay the customer's needs and the common complaints and the analytics kind of side of that to the rest of the team and to product and operations? If they were doing it well before, it must have got a bit harder to do. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely difficult. It's, but you've heard it from a lot of leaders out there, kind of any crisis breeds this moment of opportunity, which is pretty exciting. I'm definitely an eternal optimist kind of guy. So that's, that's my, that's my slant as well. I I think from like a people workforce perspective, you definitely have an opportunity to, to give people time back. If you're, if you're smart with how you enable your employees to log in and log out. So I think there's definitely some interesting stuff that is happening and will continue to happen on letting people work wherever they want. But 
and being more flexible with their time blocks that they give to Walmart and to Parker and you know these organizations where they're working on the front lines. And by that, maybe you log in for two hours from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. because you know your kids and your husband are out to baseball practice or whatever, or your wife is running errands or something. So you have an hour to, to kind of log in versus like these blocks of time. So from a scheduling perspective, I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity. And then kind of what I was saying before is like the documentation and your, your operating rhythm, I call it kind of your operating rhythm, the, the mix of like meetings and reports that run through an organization, like those have to be really, those have to be really sharp and with a purpose and and there's a lot of wasted time on that stuff but to your point ben like if product if, if product relies on the feedback from the front lines and you had a meeting before and pre-covid in office every tuesday around product feedback and hear the trends going on how you translate that into a completely remote environment isn't necessarily let's have a meeting at tuesday at 10 a.m you know it, it might be but the documentation and the quality of that documentation and the the details of that really need to be sharp. The people who receive it need to be sharp. There needs to be clear cut action items coming out of those meetings. There needs to be accountability around that. And all that can be documented in a way that I think was kind of non-existent in the physical space. Again, that's an opportunity, I think, but a couple of examples there. That's very interesting, the point you just made, John, because pre-COVID, like you are in the same room or in the same office. As a product owner, you can reach out to your support team and ask, hey, what, what, what are the top issues today? And similarly for a manager or a supervisor, you're just sitting next and you are so aware of what's happening in the company. But now when everyone is working from home, I can imagine that how kind of anxiety this can create, the lack of confidence it can create when, when you feel that you are not the top of the things actually, you don't know what's happening. So that collaboration, like documentation that you touched upon, it becomes so, so important. Just on this one, John, have you seen any, because because you track feedback for the agents, any specific insights which you can share like after, after COVID, you have seen these qualities go up or where you have seen on these qualities where you have seen performance go down? Maybe, I don't know, empathy, politeness or timeliness Mm. Yeah, I'm thinking, I don't have any off the top of my head where my mind goes is like this idea of being kind of, uh, and I think the Harvard Business School did a big study in conjunction with Gartner, one of the big sort of research shops around the different profiles of, of agents and how they're kind of seeing which ones are, be, are more successful in today's, in today's work environment. And I remember the, kind of the title, and you can look it up online. I think it's called Kick-Ass Customer Service, something like that. It's from a few years ago. It's pre-COVID, but I think it still rings true where there's this profile of agent called the controller. And the controller, it sounds a bit ominous, but the controller is somebody who can kind of gather the information taken the, the information, communicate it back to a customer and really takes that problem on themselves individually, goes out, seeks the solution, and then gets back to that customer. That kind of flow is, if you spoke of any customer service organization, it's like kind of rare actually, where you get that kind of ownership and like, I got you, Sherrod, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back to you. Here's what I understand and comes back. Because of the complexity, then you need more people like that than somebody maybe who's just more of an empathized person 
And you need moments of empathy for sure, but maybe more of, of, of the sweet empathizer who, who doesn't necessarily take as much control. That's just a kind of an example, but. That's cool. That's a good answer. And I think for your next meeting, we should just wrap that up. Yeah. So thank you so yeah, much. Appreciate for, that. Thanks so much for coming and talking to us. Great to be a part of it. Best cool. of luck, guys. Thanks.